business is the business of people, not products or services. Um, so what I mean by that is get out there, uh, find your tribe and make sure that you are well known and well seen, that you are synergistic, that you are your brand for the first five, I'd even argue 10 years really. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. Um, for those of you new to the new to the episode or new to the uh, podcast, I'm Devin Miller, your host, and we uh, I'm the uh, patent and trademark attorney at Miller IP Law, um, where we help uh, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. We also on the Inventive Journey um, talk a little about the different journeys that uh, startups and founders and small businesses take along their path to success. So. Today on the uh, the show, we have uh, Dr. Jacqueline Darna. Um, I will let her introduce herself because she'll do a much better job of that than I will. So uh, welcome. Thank you, Devin, so much for having me. My name is Dr. Jacqueline Darna. I'm the CEO and medical inventor of Nomo Nausea, Nomo Migraine, and Nomo Sleepless Nights, the first and only three-in-one patented way to stop your worst symptoms in just 30 seconds utilizing my essential oil-infused acupressure device. So thanks again for having me. All right. Well, that was a great intro. As I said, you'll do, you did a better job of introducing you than I would. So, so with that, let's uh, jump a little bit back farther in your journey. So you're a doctor, obviously. You started out in the medical profession. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. How did you start out in the medical profession? And then how did you make the uh, transition over to what you're doing now? So I like to say that I used to be a drug dealer by day and a naturalist by night. Um, so I did practice anesthesia. And again, I actually went back and got my NMD as well. So I am also a naturopathic medical doctor. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of have that Eastern meets the Western world. Um, as you probably imagine, um, everybody in our society, especially here in the U.S., is so accustomed to medications. But what's the problem with medicine? They have horrible side effects and not only just horrible side effects, but it takes a while for them to work. Sometimes 45 minutes for your body to digest them. And then again, other complications that could cause you to have to take more medications. So I came out on my mission because I was a patient. Um, and upon doing so, nothing else in the medical realm of medication ended up working for me. So I had to think outside the pill box and that's what gave me my great idea. But so it was awesome. To, I love my patients, <laughs> I must say. All right. So if you to, to take that and, and dissect it a little bit. So I think it was that you said you, had, you were having some headaches or that you were having a, a bit of... Uh... Well, yeah, I actually had um, my emergency C-section. So my first pregnancy went beautiful, perfect delivery, no issues, no complications. Now my second one, she's a beautiful baby girl, and that's probably why. Um, so what ended up happening is I got sick for three days straight. So imagine, this is kind of like family in the hospital. Everyone, you know, this is like one of our own and we can't stop her from vomiting after her emergency C-section. Mm. So we tried everything, every medication that was actually listed and then not lift, listed. Um, we tried crazy things. And finally somebody walked in and said, we're going to put you into a medically induced coma. And I was shocked. I'm like, that's the best thing we have here. And they're like, Jackie, we've tried everything else. So I remembered one slide in anesthesia school about acupressure, acupressure at what's called the P6 point of the wrist. And at the very same time, my stepmom came walking in with a peppermint plant that she had bought from Home Depot. And she said, here, smell this. 
I read mm -hmm. it on Google. So I was very intrigued. Um, again, I was smelling leaves and I had a piece of napkin that was literally taped to my wrist. And at the same time, I kept dropping the leaves because every time I would smell the peppermint, it really worked. So I asked my nurse for a piece of tape and I made a wristband combining the two things. That was the only thing that ended up working for me. And believe it or not, I ended up, uh, nobody else in the world had ever patented it. So I did. And uh, here we are now five years later and we're now in hospitals in 12 countries of the world and in 30,000 retailers. <laughs> All right, well, that's a big jump for uh, being sick of the <laughs> We're gonna have to we're gonna have to jump a little bit farther into that. So we'll, we'll go in. That, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah. it's only the best part when you actually when you grow the company and, and it, it blows up and you do great. And uh, but we'll jump into. So you're in the hospital. You're sick. You kind of come up with the idea of the wristband. Um, help or helps out with the, the nausea. Um, you use both acupressure, acupressure, if I can say the word, as well as um, some, you know, what would be peppermint or, you know, otherwise essential oils or something that has that smell to, to create it. And so, but at the same time, you're, you're still a doctor. You have, you, you've gone through all of medical school. You've gone through all of your training. And I assume that you didn't just one day just up and leave the medical field. It's probably a bit of a progression. So how did that from the day that you had the idea, how did it progress to, hey, I'm going to leave being the, you know, a doctor at the, uh, at a hospital or a doctor or with clients and, you know, and, and jump over to this business full time. Well, I have to say, I think it was actually a lack of sleep. Um, hence why I created a sleep product, but that's later. Um, I was like every other mom. Um, I now have two children. I was up all the time breastfeeding and mm. my mind was racing because this was the only thing that worked. So I remember scouring the internet for a product that was like this of some sort and there wasn't mm. any. And so for me, um, again, I used to do what I called, I worked my seven to five in the operating room in the hospital, and then I worked my five to seven. And so I was naturally kind of not sleeping as is, and that actually gave me the confidence to try to write my provisional patent. Like I literally wrote 15 pages of everything that I could think of, all my ideas. I used to be a, um, an artist, not an artist like professionally, but drawing for me helps to relieve stress. And so upon drawing, I was like coming up with all these amazing, incredible ideas. Like how could I incorporate acupressure into a Disney band, for example, or into a back brace or for other product lines, not just the wristband idea that I had had initially. So I kind of put it all out there and, um, and then believe it or not, I met the perfect people. So my medical, uh, my medical plastics manufacturer was actually the guy who invented the ketchup pop. Um, and then he had invented other products that are actually utilized in the medical plastic space. So he knew manufacturers and he kind of, his name is Frank. He took me up under his wing and he's like, come on kid, I'm going to help you out. And so we have a really interesting um, story, I guess you could say, because it was an instantaneous um, sense of almost like family. And upon doing so, he helped me tremendously. He helped me get started. I had product in six months and then I was literally peddling out of a bag. Um, going to different doctor's offices saying, here, this is a really great product for moms with morning sickness. Mm. Once I started getting a little traction, I had my very first, um, I guess you could say, big customer, which was Stellar um, Enterprises, Stellar Airports. So mm. I ended up getting into about 19 different airports. I still give them the lowest possible price. And then that showed me that it's not just good in the medical industry for, you know, for labor and delivery, for surgery, 
for post-operative nausea and vomiting and cancer, it did translate into that retail space. So about two years ago, I went into that retail space and um, about the exact same time, I ended up quitting my job full time. And the reason why is because my intern, she looked at me and said, you're amazing with your patients one-to-one, but you can help one to a million with your products. What are you waiting for? So I jumped, um, but I did. I also kind of snuck it in there that I had a, what's called my three X rule. As long as I was making three times uh, what I was making in the hospital, I said that I would jump. And then of course I built an incredible team. So we're 21 strong and uh, it's, it's been really fun. It's been really an incredible journey. Okay, so you blew past one that I'm sure people are going to want to know a bit more about, which is okay, yeah. I mean, no secret, and, and people say the same thing about lawyers, so I, I, I guess I, I get the same thing, but, you know, doctors make a good amount of money, or you make a good living typically, and, you know, and so, you know, a lot of people are going to say, hey, first of all, you went through, what is it, 10 years of school plus residency, or? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot, it's a long, long journey. <laughs> you have a long journey to get a medical degree. And you're making, you know, in which is most people are going to say, okay, that's a, you know, first of all, it's a great living. You're going to have probably a good amount of job security. Um, and so, th- and then you say, and you've invested, you know, a lot of time of your life. And, and then, money, and money. I'm a bootstrapped company. And, I must say that. And, I am so Yeah. Law school's not cheap, but medical school's even more expensive. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so you do all that. And then you get to a point you're saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, not put it on hold or put it on pause because you still use some of that, uh, you know, a lot of that with what your product is now, but it's a, you know, certainly different arrangement than what is a doctor and meeting one-on-one and for, you know, prescribing medicine kind of as a shift. Right. So I, I would assume that you, you'd at least whether it's you or the family or people or pushback or how was that to say, okay, I get the three X rule and you're saying, Hey, okay, I, I have some runway. If things go worse, I could probably, I could still go back and be a doctor and I have, you know, a bit of a fallback if things crash down, but it still seems like it was a big jump or, you know, so how did you or the family or how did that feel or how did you finally decide to make that leap and did you get any pushback or did anybody think you were crazy? Oh my gosh, I still get pushback. I still, I, I always say that the hardest sales are my friends and family. They're like, you cannot possibly have invented something that helps me. <laughs> like, uh, but from the very beginning, I, I must also say, I was the sole breadwinner of the family for the first 10 years I was married, for example. Um, so if you can only imagine, my kids had to eat. I was the sole breadwinner. So I had to make it work in order to put food on the table. So that was a real big driving factor for me. Um, Again, I'm what they call a hustler. You know, the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. So that was my um, push and drive is these two beautiful children that I had and to make sure that I really made this into something. And uh, actually, when I did a, an article in Forbes, their favorite line was, my, um, my husband actually told me, he goes, you don't want to do what? You just graduated. You have tons of tons of, of you know, debt. And now you want to invest in making these risk scams for a living. He's like, you know what, whatever you can, if you know, you're making the money. So I guess I can't say anything about it, but there's no way that you're ever going to make this happen. And I was like, wait, just wait, I'm going to show you. And six months later, he was my first hire. So if that said anything, um, man, there's nothing like a woman scorn, right? So when you get the pushback from your spouse, um, now he's extremely supportive and he's just uh, my number one fan, my person that I can go to because he had more business experience. I had had zero. 
I'd never taken a business class, never took a marketing class. So for me, everything was kind of learning on the fly. I, I got what's called the MBA in the trenches. And I didn't really know I was an entrepreneur until I became one. And then now that I am one, man, it's like the cycle just goes hard and I can't stop coming up with different ideas and I can't stop pivoting. And um, my team is uh, what, what I call the doers. I'm the dreamer. So they say to me, pin that amazing idea. So for later. <laughs> All right. So, and so was there, so you made the jump. You just said, okay, I've, uh, I've hit my three X rule. I've decided, you know, and I, I know it's still, you know, it's kind of, you'd probably still have a fallback plan, you know, and I'm not saying you, you want a little bit. I always look at kind of the old story of Cortez and he, you know, they land in America and they burn the ships. And so there's no, no path back. No and you path have to back. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit of always my mantra is to, you know, burn the ships. You have to be all in in order to make sure to make something work. If you're always looking, you know, halfway looking back, you're never going to be successful. But was there ever a point after you jumped over as you're getting things going as, you know, things are, are starting to take off that you're saying, man, maybe I should go back and be a doctor. Maybe I should, maybe I made the wrong decision or maybe I, I shouldn't have done this. Was there, or was it just great and you never had any second thoughts and you just took off? I wish I could say it was all you know, rose petals and everything was amazing. But I do have to say, there was a part of me, um, actually, it, what I call or consider my lowest point. I never knew that in getting into retail, um, what you sell it to them for in large mass quantities, number one, you don't receive an actual check for 180 days, sometimes even longer, even mm. though they have, you know, they have net 45. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. That never happens. So um, they, you know, there's a lot of rules and implications. There's a 5% for marketing, 5% for this. So there was a point in time where I ran my company based off credit. Um, and I'm lucky that I have a really, really, really good credit score. And that's just because of the fact that I did my due diligence and paying off my student debt and my student loans. But um, that's the reality of it. I mean, it, it hit so hard at one point in time that I was actually, I would sometimes pick up call shifts and I would work on weekends and I would pop in here and there because I was like, we are really tight, like just to make payroll. Mm. And then um, an amazing big break ended up happening. It's kind of like every time I go to, to fall, like I'm running, running, running all the time and I go to fall. Yeah, I get some mud on my face, but uh, it never breaks my nose or fractures my face, if that makes any sense. So I feel like it wasn't, I it wasn't permanent. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a permanent um, uh, structure realignment. But um, I really feel as though now I'm, I am Catholic. So for me, I know that I feel like this was my purpose. This was my mission. And I felt like I was being caught by the Lord. And he kind of just said, listen, pick yourself back up. And this is what I want to happen. And literally, like the day after I was considering going back, um, something incredible happened and um, the U.S. government actually ended up taking my my bid for making a sleep product for uh, PTSD soldiers. And so here we go. I now have a third manufacturing plant. All the debt that I had inquired um, in making new lines was completely wiped away and that just happened literally in an instant. Uh, so I picked up my family and moved to the middle of nowhere in Micanope, Florida. And uh, upon doing so, it was the best decision I ever did. I spent one year developing um, for them underneath my uh, patent for No More Sleepless Nights. And now it's available for retail consumption and online and helps people to sleep better. Hey, don't we all need that? Uh, well, I don't know. Sometimes you don't want to sleep so you can stay up and get things done. But no, that's good. Um, 
So now I'm going to jump back just because I, I enjoy it. Because you always get the highlights, right? You always get to hear kind of how everything was a success and nothing ever happened. So when you were in the middle, because and you described what is probably what a lot of people end up going through is, you know, if your business is going, is going, is struggling or you're having to figure out how to make payroll or you're having to figure out how to make, you know, pay for the next run of, of production or that. And you oftentimes will go and look at whether it's dead or alone, or you go to friends and family, or you're trying to hustle and, you know, get in some side income or that, but, you know, in a mix of all of that, how do you deal with it? I mean, cause that's not an easy thing, right? It's, it's going to be very stressful. You're going to worry if you're, you know, okay, I'm now I'm going to, you know, go mortgaging the house, so to speak and not saying you wouldn't got it on the house, but you have to go and you're saying, okay, now it's, it's no longer fun or it's exciting in the sense that I'm not just making money out her fist. And so how do you, how do you deal with that angst or fear or, or how do you keep moving forward? So I've always been a planner and everyone who knows me knows that I have plans A through Z. Um, literally, I go after A, B, and C. Usually it's somewhere in the realm of F and G where you finally end up kind of finding a sweet spot. But I you know, have things that thought over, over and over and over. And I have to say from the very beginning, I mean, I didn't know how quickly we were going to scale and how fast we were scaling because that was something too. Um, when I started networking in with a lot of people who were in the capital realm on different VCs, and you'll actually probably find uh, one of my old, you know, um, old decks or whatnot, like I'm sure somewhere on the internet from doing a competition here or there, because I was inquiring about it. And one of my really good friends, um, he, you know, he went that route for fun, you know, funding and he made, you know, he was raising, he raised 1.2 million at the same time that I made 1.2 million. So I always tell people, you know, you're going, time flies by and you're going to either work on your company or you're going to work at getting what you want or at getting something monetary that you, you feel as though is good. And it's two different ways. I mean, me personally, hey, if you give me $5,000 to go gamble on, you bet your buttons I'll go, you know, because it's not my own money. Um, yeah. I just felt it, though, that it makes me work harder. And, you know, juggling everything, especially from a financial standpoint, I did. I, I looked at a lot of different ways. And we're very lucky that every time we were about to sign a document or we were about to, um, and, and I must say, networking with the people who are VCs and networking with the people who are angels, for example, because I have a bunch of friends um, that are inside of that huge realm that would give me money in a heartbeat. And it's always better because I tell them, they're like, what would you do with the money? I'm like, oh, I have this purchase order, for example, from CVS. I, you know, I have another 6,000 stores that I'm fulfilling. And they're like, you need money to make more money. That never happens. Um, so it's always important that you kind of go after the people that you could potentially want to pair with before you're in trouble. And so I've always, I've always done that. I've always surrounded myself with really smart people. I never want to be the smartest person in the room. And so that was my I, way I don't mind being the smartest person in the room as long as there's a whole lot of other smart people. Yeah. I'll, still, I'll, I'll still take me the smartest. I just want to make sure everybody else is smart too. Yeah, I, uh, no, I, I don't want to be because I have to say, uh, maybe in medicine, whenever I'm, you know, speaking at a medical conference or something, I kind of feel like in my zone. Um, but you put me in front of one of my really good friends. Um, I'll leave his name out of it, but he was one of the first round investors for uh, Facebook, for Uber, for Twitter. And, you know, we, I taught him how to salsa dance, for example. We were, you know, we grabbed drinks and 
we laugh all the time because he, he just is this huge capital investor and um, he's gotten me and introduced me to people that I couldn't have even imagined. And so again, him being a mentor, my fairy godmother, um, she got me meetings that I couldn't have ever dreamt of. Um, and so it's been really fun. So did you, when you were going through, all, did, so are you wholly owned? Did you ever take investor dollar or take anything or is, are you own, uh, you and your husband own it a hundred percent or how does that work? 100%. Uh, we are a woman owned Latina company. That's me a hundred percent still uh, from the very jump all the way up through now. And the beauty of it is, is that um, we do have very good margins and I have to say I respect margins now more than ever um, because of the fact that with every, you know, with the coronavirus happening, um, yeah. we already sell to different hospitals and I just happen to know the insight on whenever they're getting large PPP, PPE orders um, from outside because I do business with about 75 different manufacturers all over the world. So right now it's kind of um, a very interesting endeavor because my company is also selling other products that aren't ours that have no margin. So I must say that um, our margins are nice and thick and that, it, that, was, that meant that I was doing the right thing and able to keep myself bootstrapped because I invest everything into the business and then from there I'm able to grow it, you know, 1200%, for example, and then I do the same thing over and over again. So for a small amount of money that I have to invest, I'm able to get a much larger return from these very large orders. So it's, a, it, it's definitely a, a means of respect, and, but also it's the excitement of being able to, I don't have to listen to a board. I don't have to be told what to do. And by the way, I don't know if you know any Latin women, but um, it doesn't go over very well when people tell Latin women what to do. <laughs> We're better at giving orders than receiving them for sure. Well, fair enough. So, and I, and I, so if you were to then jump and somebody is looking and trying to decide, hey, do I bootstrap this? Do I try and figure out how to sell fund or, you know, or take a side hustle to fund it? Or I've got an investor that, you know, they'll, they'll give me, you know, million dollars or five million, whatever the number is, but a large amount that will carry our company for a while. What's, what advice would you give them or how do you make that decision? I'm sure it's different for everybody, but you know, what advice would you give them as far as whether or not to sell fund and, and bootstrap and side hustle or take it? Cause sometimes, you know, you take the investor dollars and it blows you up and you can make it big. And whereas you, die, you your company might die in the vine because you never, you know, never, it, it goes under because you don't have the money, vice versa. You give money out, you, uh, you go in and take investor dollar. It comes with a handcuff. It, you, you know, and it, it can be different if it's a good investor or bad and, you know, so great investors, but it still comes with, you're not fully in control anymore. Yeah. Um, I think there's like two things because prime uh, time is our most precious commodity. So the first thing I would say is look at your books and determine the amount of money over time. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but most people don't really do that as a, as a time equation, but I do. So, and again, this has to do with whether or not you bootstrap, whether or not, you know, your different clientele, whether or not it's VC capital funding. So you try to figure out how much money you can gross or make off of that money over a certain period of time. So some people, for example, they want, you know, they want to strike the pan nice and hot because it's like a time function. So let's say you are a gown or a mass creating company, for example, right now is the time to take VC money and to blow it because you basically have a, a, another couple of weeks of really high intensity versus mm -hmm. someone like me, you know, the 1980 sweatband of acupressure band, which was never changed for years, 
that was something they actually developed the first acupressure band the year I was born. So it's not old <clears throat> by any means, but you know, it's getting old, almost like 40 years old at this point in time. So I have to say that, you know, you have to decide and determine what that time factor. And then the second thing is, is just like dating, dating, getting engaged and getting married. You're going to be in bed with that person or the, you know, whoever it is that you choose. And so I would hope, if we all remember back to our dating years, that you don't just jump into bed with every single person that comes along your path. You analyze them, right? Like you figure out what's in it for you, what's in it for me. And then that's how I know that I analyzed everything. I did it over a time factor. So amount of money I can make over time. And then secondarily, really like, do I want to get in bed with this person? That sounds bad. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> All right, we'll tell them not to listen to the podcast, but the, the point yeah. is, yeah, I mean, it is a lot like, you know, and sometimes it, it, you're even with that person more than you are your spouse, and especially in the early stage in the startups and that, you know, a lot of times you see the people work and, you know, that more than you do your spouse is you're trying to get a business up and running. So it's, it's very much like dating or even sometimes more so just because of the amount of time and effort it takes to do a business. Well, we are hitting up against uh, towards kind of the end of the podcast. And I think it's every podcast I do. I always feel like there are about 20 more things that would be fun to talk and discuss and jump into and never quite have all the time. FYI, we're not going anywhere from our house for a little while. Um, Hillsborough County, we still have an ordinance for about two more weeks. So I'm, I'm here just in case. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode and we'll dive into a few more of the, few more of the aspects that we didn't have time to. Um, but we, as I wrap up, I always ask two questions at the end of the podcast. Um, so we'll, we'll do that. And so the first question is, is, what was the worst business decision you made? All right. So I will say that um, 97X is a local radio station in Tampa and they have a huge, the next, the next big thing is what it's called. It's kind of like an alternative rock concert. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people go. I think that year was like a record year. We had like, I don't know, eight, 9,000, maybe even 10,000 people that were there. Mm. Everyone's partying. It's myself, no Monaja. It's Budweiser and it's Taco Bus. So there are, it's like, you know, you get heartburn, perfect. We can help your upset stomach. You get drunk, we can help with the hangover. So I'm thinking this is like a sealed deal. I dump in about, I don't know, $25,000, $30,000 as one of like the key three sponsors. And um, guess how much money we made at that concert? Just I, By the way you set it up, I'm guessing not very much. $70. Like we sold seven bands, all right, after spending so much money. So I always tell people that was my biggest, most epic marketing failure. And you know why? Because that's not my target demographic. Know your target. Know who it is that buys your product. My number one, pregnant women. My number two, travelers, cruisers, you know, people who love to take trains or take planes or business class people, for example. Um, and then the third is going to be chemotherapy and cancer so that they may have a better well-being. So I know that if it's outside of those three realms, it's just not my bag. All right. So no more sell you bands to drunk uh, taco eating uh, partiers. <laughs> taco eating alcoholics. There you go. I mean, let's, let's be real. That's just not my demographic. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we've crossed that one off the list. So. Okay, second question I always ask. So if you were to have someone that's uh, looking to get into either just starting out as a startup or wanting, you know, always have that d desire and uh, wanting to get into it and just, uh, just starting out, what would be your number one piece of advice to them? 
business is the business of people, not products or services. Um, so what I mean by that is get out there, uh, find your tribe and make sure that you are well known and well seen, that you are synergistic, that you are your brand for the first five, I'd even argue 10 years, really. There's not a fight that I go on that I don't have at least one person that's like, hey, Nomo, or what's up, Nomo, Naja? I mean, people, I, as long as they say no, Naja, I'm fine with it. But um, again, I'm always, as you can see, I'm, I'm constantly branded. I even have swimsuits. I know that sounds crazy, but I sell more in a bikini than any uh, any other wardrobe I feel like that I've ever offered. It's a long Always be selling, right? So. Yes, always. If they, you know, and pitch to them if they have a pulse. And by that, I mean, you never know who's sitting next to you uh, from the plane, from, you know, just your local neighbor. My neighbor across from me is the CEO of one of the major hospitals that I sell to. And I had absolutely no idea until one day we just started talking. So again, you don't know who you're sitting next to and you don't know who they know either. And so again, if you can display your mission, I tell everyone, I want to invent products that help give people a better sense of health and wellness naturally. And they become part of my mission. And so it's a we. They always say, I remember when you were the first. I remember your first uh, pitch. I remember, and they always feel like they're a part of the journey. And so they're the ones who tell everyone, hey, if you're sick on a boat, go grab Nomo Nausea. If you are at home and have a horrible migraine, pick up Nomo Migraine. I mean, they are my true Nomo Mama squad. Like they are my diehard fans. Well, that, that's great. It's always great to have the evangelist that will go preach how great your product is. So that's awesome. Well, um, so we're wrapping up and I want to make sure if people wanted to either find out more about you, connect up with you or your product, what's the best way to reach out to you? Absolutely. Go on our website, nomonausea.com. There's tons of different blogs and also Hit us up on social at Nomonaja. That's N-O-M-O-N-A-U-S-E-A on any social media platform. So literally you can follow me. And um, what's actually really fun is that TikTok, the, the new thing, because that's actually me, my kids, um, crazy things that I end up doing. So people get to know who I am. And um, what's really fun is that they've been calling and the office is actually directed into a secondary phone that I have. So I'm talking to all of, uh, of people that are trying to give me testimonials. And they're like, you tell that nice young lady that I said, thank you. I'm like, you're talking to her. So it's so much fun to get back to basics and to get back to the core. And that's um, the people that I'm helping. Well, awesome. Well, I will definitely uh, tell everybody who has, uh, that's not, except for the, which I don't really know any drunk or drunk partiers. So I'd, uh, I'm, I'm in Utah. <laughs> we don't typically drink or we don't smoke. We don't party all that often. So um, I don't I know. I, 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 I would know a lot of those people anyway, but I'll, I'll, otherwise I'll share it. Uh, share with everybody. All the fears, uh, especially everything's going to open back up because it's no more altitude sickness. That's something that um, is actually a pretty big uh, market share for us as well. So you can you can share it. Um, being that Salt Lake is my actual Park City is my favorite place to ski, and I think we talked about that before. <laughs> all yeah. right. Well, there you go. I'll share it with all the the people that I know that like to hit the slope. So. Thank you again for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your journey. 
Um, for everybody else that's uh, joining, if you have, if you'd like to tell your story, your journey, you can always go on and apply to be on the show. Um, for those of you that are uh, needing help along your journey with patents or trademarks, certainly always uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we're at Miller IP. We're always looking to, to help startups and small businesses to um, grow their business and to protect it along the way. So thank you again. I appreciate you coming on and it was a great episode. Thank you so much, Devin. Okay.